play and stay on Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. Stand up paddleboarding, hiking, great restaurants and breweries. I'll tell you more about your next vacation destination later in the show. Bell, and this is Your Last Meal, a show about famous people and the stories behind the foods they love most. Today on the program, Seattle Seahawks center Justin Britt's Last Meal. I'm real excited about this one because we're going to get to learn the history of pizza in the United States with Scott Wiener of New York's Scott's Pizza Tours. Scott and I get into a bit of a debate on whether East Coasters should be folding their pizza. Well, actually, it started back in Naples. So folding your pizza, they would call it pizza al libretto, like pizza like a book, book pizza. And we'll hear from a man who can pack in more pizza than an NFL player, major league eating competitive eater Crazy Legs Conti. Have you ever barfed? Uh, We call it urges contrary to swallowing. We don't use the B word. In particularly volatile cases, it's known as Elvis has left the building um, or reversal of fortune. All of that is coming your way. But before we get into Justin Britt's last meal, I had a realization. It has been one year since I started this podcast, and I have never formally introduced myself to you. Hi, I'm Rachel. I love roller skating. I really love dim sum. Uh, And sometimes I carry emergency tapatio packets in my purse. But career-wise, I have been a news broadcaster for the past 15 years. A few weeks ago, I was sent to Seahawks training camp to get some interviews. And I'm out there on the field where they practice. It's called VMAC. And I see Russell Wilson walking right by me with his wife, Sierra. I'm not allowed to talk to them because they're not on my list. But I was allowed to have an interview with Justin Britt. A little about Justin Britt. He's 26 years old. He is super tall. He is 6'6", 315 pounds. I'm 5'9", and I was wearing three-inch heels, and uh, I had to crane my neck to look up at this dude. And Justin Britt made national news recently because he stood by his teammate, Michael Bennett, who has been refusing to stand for the national anthem after the violent protests in Charlottesville, Virginia. This audio comes from CNN. I won't stand until I feel like everything's equal. Uh, I won't stand until everybody has justice. I won't stand until everybody has freedom. So the second time that Michael Bennett sat during the national anthem, Justin Britt stood next to him, and he put his hand on Michael Bennett's shoulder. This audio is from Seahawks.com. Well, I want to support him. I want to support what he's standing for and and his beliefs. Um, You know, I'm not against, uh, you know, what the flag means. I'm just trying to understand the issues, trying to uh, educate myself and uh, showing support. And and I'm going to continue to kind of understand what's going on in the world and and why it's happening, um, because none of it's right. A lot of football fans are upset about this. They think it's disrespectful not to stand during the national anthem. They think these football players should just be playing football, that they shouldn't be speaking their mind about politics or social justice. Personally, I think it's kind of cool to see these players stand up or sit down for what they believe in. Uh, It makes them more multidimensional. It tells you a little bit more about who they are as people. And that is actually the point of this podcast. We use food to have conversations with celebrities about things that they may not normally talk about publicly. And that brings us to Justin Britt and his last meal. For my last meal? Um, probably just, uh, pizza from Domino's. What? Yeah, I'm a big Domino's fan, so that's what, that, that's what I have after every game, whenever I get home. Is that kind of a ritual? Yeah, yeah, since college. Wow, 
and what toppings do you like? Um, it depends, but uh, you know, um, I mostly just go for sausage, Italian sausage. I don't know why. It's just something I get. You're a big dude. How much pizza can you eat in one sitting? Um, well, after a game, I'm usually pretty hungry, and uh, you know, I'll order a large sausage and finish it off. I imagine you rolling it up, cartoon style, and just putting the whole thing in your mouth at once. No, I like to take take bites, enjoy it, and um, savor the moment. Every every week, the pizza seems better and better. You don't do ads for Domino's, do you? No, unfortunately. If they're open for it, I will. Did you have any traditions growing up with pizza? No, it's just, uh, you know, um, just like any American, you know, I love pizza. and It, it was just something easy to get after... after uh, a game in college and being a college kid it was affordable and I, I didn't eat steak so um, it was just something I could get and it was quick and easy. Do you have any game day rituals besides the post game pizza things that you kind of do superstitiously? Um, well there, there are certain songs I listen to heading to the stadium home our way and the last song I, I listen to before I pull into the stadium is uh uh, crazy by uh, Boosie, but I mean another ritual I do is before pregame, pre-pregame, I go out there and play catch with whoever and just try to throw bombs, just relax. And that's our interview. You don't always get a lot of time with these guys. Actually, that's not the whole interview. There's one question I asked him that's super embarrassing. I made a fool out of myself, and I will play you that cut at the end of this episode. But for now, we get to talk about pizza. I have been waiting for someone to choose pizza for so long, and it's so exciting because everybody loves pizza, but it's also a lot of pressure because there are so many ways that this episode could go. But first, I think we need to learn the history of pizza in the United States. For our history lesson, I turn to Scott Wiener, owner of Scott's Pizza Tours in New York City. Scott leads these awesome walking and bus tours through various New York neighborhoods. You get to learn about the history of the pizzerias, you get to learn about the neighborhoods, and of course, you get to eat lots of delicious pizza. And I know this because I took Scott's tour a couple years ago. I took his West Village tour, and I highly recommend it because Scott is full of knowledge. Talk about how pizza started in America. What was the first pizzeria? Well, we only really had pizza in America because we had this huge influx of Southern Italian immigrants in the late 1800s. So since pizza is originally from Naples in Southern Italy, it only made sense that the food came along with the people. So we started getting a lot of Neapolitans in the Lower East Side in the late 1800s and early 1900s. That led to the founding of Lombardi's Pizzeria, which was the first pizza shop in the U.S. It opened in 1905. And they're still open today. They are. They actually weren't open for about eight years in the late 80s and early 90s. So I wouldn't call them the oldest pizzeria, but Lombardi's was the first. Lombardi's did reopen in 1994, so it's still around. Lombardi's was on the tour that I did with Scott, and they still use a coal oven to cook the giant pies. So when pizza first came to the U.S., what was it like? What was the style? Yeah, well, the modern New York style pizza, which is the by the slice, cheese covering the whole thing the edge of the slice hanging off the paper plate, that kind of thing didn't happen for a while. The first pizza in America, specifically in New York, was baked in a coal-fired oven, which is a lot hotter than the gas ovens that we use today. It meant that faster bake, it had a softer interior and kind of a drier, more charred exterior, and they did not really serve it by the slice. It was it was a whole pizza scenario. So 
that's why the oldest places in town, like the Lombardis and the Johns, you know, they only serve pizza by the whole pie, no slices. And what were the toppings like? You had some super basics like what we have today, like a pizza with just tomato and herbs, uh, a pizza marinara, or a pizza margarita, which is the fresh mozzarella and the crushed tomatoes. You had anchovy, garlic, things that were super cheap. Your toppings were really limited. It was not about the toppings. Pizza was about the crust and the sauce and the cheese. Americans are known for being very entrepreneurial and, you know, we're a melting pot. And so we always take a food and then expand on it and do like a bunch of different versions, sometimes bastardizing it. How long did it take for pizza to take on different forms and, you know, for Chicago style to form and uh, different kinds of pizza in different parts of the country to be born? Well, it happened pretty quickly because some of the first pizzas in America were not like what they were back in Italy. Because once you introduce pizza with a different oven type or a different flour type, then it changes. So the first pizza in America was not really like pizza back in Naples. The flour was stronger, which meant that there's more gluten, which means it's a stronger, more sturdy base. Uh, The cheese was drier. Back in Italy, you could be using mozzarella di bufala, but in America, you use cow's milk mozzarella. So everything changed pretty quickly. Stuff like the deep dish pizza in Chicago happened in the 40s. And then you had other maybe bastardizations like the clam, the white clam pizza at Frank Pepe's didn't really happen until the 1960s. But everything along the way was in some sense a bastardization of the Italian original. In Naples, the birthplace of pizza, one of the most popular topping combinations, believe it or not, it's French fries and hot dogs. Oh, really? Yeah. And they call it the Americana because <laughs> it reminds them of Americans. Meanwhile, we are repulsed by that. Scott lives and breathes pizza. He writes about pizza. He judges pizza competitions around the country. And Scott's Pizza Tours has fed pizza to 46,000 pizza lovers around New York City and beyond. How often do you eat pizza slash how much pizza do you eat every day? Oh, I'm definitely eating pizza every day. And I keep myself limited to 15 slices per week. So on any given day, I'm doing an average two slices. And during the week, I'll have some kind of a bonus slice at some point. So is there another food that it makes you crave? Like when you're eating pizza all the time, you're like, oh, I'm always craving something like that's like the opposite of pizza. Yeah, that's sushi. Yeah, sushi is the opposite of pizza. Yeah, definitely. When when I'm eating a lot of pizza, I just want that clean, cool, gentle fish. You cut out one word. You said clean, cool. What was the word after that? Gentle. That's what I thought you said. (laughs) Okay. I've never thought of sushi as gentle, but that's a good adjective to describe it. When I'm at the sushi bar, there's just this vibe. It's very gentle. Nobody's in fast motion. In a pizza shop, it's like, yeah, what do you want? Next, next, next. Sushi, totally different vibe. New Yorkers are known for folding their slice in half before they eat it. Do you know the history of the fold and why it's so exclusive to the East Coast? Well, actually, it started back in Naples. So folding your pizza, what they would call it, Pizza al libretto, pizza like a book, book pizza. And they would serve it by the slice. It's, it's not true that pizza was only first served by the slice in New York. It was something where if you only had enough money for a sliver, you'd pay what you could, take a slice and fold it up in a piece of paper. And that came to New York. But in New York, it's, they're eating it for a similar reason, which is that in Naples and in New York, people are always on the go. It's not like a sit-down full meal, like like the Chicago deep dish. It's an on-the-go food. And that's why we pick it up and we fold it from crust to crust with the oil dripping down our arms, and we love it. 
from crust to crust, from sea to shining sea. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to say I'm against folding it, but I am not a folder because then you reduce the square footage of pizza and it's gone in half the time. I want to eat my pizza slowly and enjoy every bite. So I totally agree with the the square footage concept. Remember that the reason you don't like folding is exactly why New Yorkers like to fold. It's because they're not eating it just for the taste. They're eating it because they're in a rush. And the taste of the folded slice has become the taste of New York pizza. So in some ways to eat it without folding it is not getting the full flavor of what you're expected to enjoy about New York pizza. But I love doing the semi-fold, which is where you keep your index finger in the crevice of the crust so that the two crusts can never fully connect. So this way you're eating it open face, but with the sturdiness of a fold. I like that too. I totally can feel my fingers in that pizza mode. It just works for me. I want to know how you eat your pizza. Are you a folder? Are you a fork and knifer? Are you a traditional hand into the mouther? I want to know. You can send me a tweet. I'm at I'm Rachel Bell. Or you can send me a message on Facebook backslash Hello Rachel Bell. Ooh, and send pictures. We're about to take a break. But while I'm bossing you around, maybe you take this time to tell us what you think of the podcast. You can leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It would be much appreciated. See you in a minute. If you're a fan of naturally gorgeous, off-the-beaten-path vacation spots with small-town charm, you're going to want to plan a visit to Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, where you can grab a scoop of homemade ice cream and stroll around the adorable European seaside village of Palsbo, or walk on the ferry in Seattle and get off in downtown Bainbridge Island. And May is the perfect month to visit Bremerton or Silverdale, where you can get out of the city and into the forest in just 15 minutes for a beautiful hike. Enjoy a farm-to-table meal at Bremerton's Restaurant Lola, a Black-owned business. I really need to make the trip out there for their Creole brunch. And in the morning, stop by Saboteur Bakery for croissants that are so flaky and buttery, you'll think you're in Paris. There's also a gorgeous golf course in the middle of the forest and there are several naval museums in Bremerton. Go to visitkitsap.com slash yourlastmeal to learn more. That's K-I-T-S-A-P. Or you can find a link in the show notes. Play and stay on the Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. Coming up later in the show, I'll be chatting with competitive eater Crazy Legs Conti, who holds a few world records for eating. But Scott Wiener also has a world record under his belt. So let's talk about your pizza box collection. This is a very, very interesting fact about you. Tell me what you're in the Guinness Book of World Records for. Yeah, so I'm in the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest collection of unique pizza boxes, meaning that I have over 1,300 completely different pizza boxes. Where do you store all of these boxes? You know, they're about 15 feet away from where I'm sitting right now in the closet in my apartment in Brooklyn. The boxes fit in a closet. When you walk into the apartment, you do not even see them. But when you walk into my office, there's kind of a stack. I'm looking at them right now. It's a stack of boxes that I have not yet logged. I have to photograph and measure them. And then I store them in the closet with their friends. Why did you start this collection in the first place? I just loved everything about pizza, and I loved the culture that surrounds it. So pizza boxes were just a part of that culture, and it's a part of that culture that always gets thrown in the garbage because that's what it's designed to do is once you save it, 
it changes its context and you're able to see it for something else. The artwork on it and the, uh, the snapshot of time and you see the design changes over the past decade that I've been collecting them. You see changes in the way people design them, you know, not to mention the differences between different countries, because I've probably got 65 or 70 different countries represented in the collection. I honestly don't think anybody else even collects them. It is a lonely record. You know, I called up Guinness Book and I said, hey, I have this collection. Does this sound like it's something you would list in the book? And they said, well, yeah, how about, you know, if you have at least 500, we'll consider it for a listing. Then I told them at that time that I had 600. I sent them photos and they said, oh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so I did not beat anybody. Nobody has since even tried to challenge me. And I'm not proud of that. I mean, I really wish somebody would step up. It might be me. Please, please do it. This episode of the podcast features Justin Britt, who is a Seattle Seahawk. And when I asked him what his last meal was, he said Domino's Pizza. Out of all the pizza in the world that this guy could have, that has been his ritual since college. What is your opinion of Domino's Pizza? You know, I can understand somebody wanting it to be their last meal because maybe that's what he grew up with. And maybe that's like what centers him and it makes you feel like you're home. Oh, Scott's such a sweet little gem. He even defends Domino's. But I doubt that Domino's would be on his top three list, which is a list that I demanded from Scott before he left because this dude knows his pizza. And it would be irresponsible for me not to give you a list of places to try in your travels. You have traveled the country eating pizza everywhere. The ultimate question I'm sure you've been asked a million times, uh, what is your favorite pizza in the country? You know, that's a question that I struggle with every day when I wake up. I don't think I have one favorite in the country, but every time I go somewhere, I'm always surprised at the quality because spending so much time in New York, I meet so many people from other cities who just tell me, oh, I can't get anything good where I live. Then I go to their city and I'm like, what are you talking about? There's, this is great pizza. Like I just got back from Portland, Oregon. They've got great pizza out there. People tell me they can't find anything good out there. I'm like, what are you talking about? I had like at least three great slices when I was out there. Scott, you've completely avoided the question. I know you don't want to play favorites probably because you're friends with the owners of all these places. But if you had to do a top three, if somebody said, hey, I'm going to fly to three places in the country, what do you recommend? Right now, today, what would you choose? Uh, <laughs> I, okay. I think that for best places in the country, most surprisingly great places in the country for pizza, Detroit is an amazing pizza town. I just went to Buddy's recently for the first time. Open in the 40s, really killer pan pizza. That's that's a great spot. So real fast, There's, what is the definition of a pan pizza? Uh, it's just any pizza that's baked in a pan instead of being baked directly on the floor of an oven. What made their pizza so delicious? They do this thing where the pan is taller than the pizza. So in New York, when we make pan pizzas, they're Sicilian pizzas. The pans are short. The pizza kind of bursts over the top. But with the Detroit thing, the pizza is shorter than the pan because the pan's so dang thick. So when they put the cheese onto it, the cheese goes all the way up to the edge and it kind of burns onto the pan. So when they take it out of the pan, you get this charred up cheese edge to the pizza and it's unbelievable. It's so good. Okay. So what are your second and third favorites right now? There's kind of like this California style of pizza that's been happening. It's like wood fired pizza and it's small individual size, but it's funky toppings. And, you know, I went to this place called Pizza Hacker in San Francisco, and I keep thinking about that pie that I had there. It had this crispy base, but it was flexible, and it didn't snap. It wasn't dry. 
had really great, simple toppings on it. Okay, let's make your third New York City, then it's your home base. What's your favorite right now? I can't get away from Totono's in Coney Island. They have just the greatest, simplest pizza, and their white pizza is like, it's elegant. It's just mozzarella, oil, garlic, pecorino. That's it. Okay, we have one more quick break to take, and when we come back, competitive eater Crazy Legs Conti will fill us in on the ins and outs of eating lots of pizza super fast. What's the ideal topping? What is the worst topping? And has he ever barfed? listening to your last meal, you might like watching my new TV show, The Nosh with Rachel Bell. We just wrapped up season one, so there are four tasty episodes ready for you to binge at CascadePBS.org. In episode one, I convince an East Coast skeptic that Seattle now has fantastic bagels. And in the season finale, we go truffle hunting just about an hour outside of Seattle. Episodes are a quick bite just eight and a half minutes long. So grab a snack and cozy up with the nosh. Available anytime, anywhere at cascadepbs.org or find a link in the show notes. Ever since I started doing Your Last Meal, my goal has been to get a competitive eater on. So I was pretty excited to book Crazy Legs Conti. So what do people, what do I call you? Do you, do I just call you Crazy Legs? Is that your first name? Uh, Crazy Legs is my legal first name. I generally make uh, TSA agents smile when I go through the airport, but uh, you can call me Crazy Legs or CL or whatever works. What makes your legs so crazy? Uh, that's one of the great mysteries. That one probably won't be revealed. Crazy Legs started eating competitively about 17 years ago. So what records do you currently hold? I am the uh, French cut string bean eating champion with 2.61 pounds in six minutes. I have the buffet food out of Tulsa, which is five and a half pounds in 10 minutes. And I have the lumberjack breakfast, pancakes and bacon, which I think was five pounds in 10 minutes. So those three world titles I hold, I've been the four time corn on the cob eating champion. So, you know, Parents should definitely insist upon their children eating their vegetables because they could one day be holding that that trophy up. And then I've won a variety of other contests over the years. But, you know, the world records have been eclipsed by newer, younger eaters. Although I'm older now, I still insist I have the stomach of an 18 year old. And of course, the reason we had him on today is because he has participated in pizza eating competitions. But he's not the world record holder. That honor goes to one of the world's most famous eaters. Joey Chestnut, who slammed 40 and a half slices of pizza in 10 minutes. How many slices have you eaten and what, what was the contest that you did? My personal best was Famous Familia, which took place in Times Square. And that was 24 slices in 12 minutes. I've done 21 at Upper Crust Pizza in Boston. The most famous eating competition that most people seem to know about is the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest on Coney Island every 4th of July. And if you've ever seen the event, either in person or on TV, you know that the tried and true trick is to dunk the hot dog buns into a glass of water. Pizza as a discipline is difficult. It's a non-dunking food. You do need a liquid to drink to try to wash it down. You want to create kind of like a log flume ride from your mouth to your throat to your esophagus. Generally, crust first is a good way to go. 
some people will actually tear off the crust and put it in the middle of the pizza and fold it. But I find that you end up chipmunking, putting too much pizza in your mouth at once, and then your arms or your uh, your cheeks swell out like Louis Armstrong. What would be the worst topping if you're competitive eating pizza, and what would be the best? My favorite topping as a casual diner is artichoke hearts. But in competition, soft and malleable is what you want. You also don't want something that's going to like fall off or causing uh, debris or detritus or flotsam because you'll get a deduction at the end. So really the best would be the fresh mozzarella because although it's incredibly chewy, it kind of comes off in one big glob. Mozzarella and basil would be an ideal topping. It also would taste great even when you hit the wall at the six-minute mark. The worst, I think, is probably the pepperoni because most places have those chewy, flat, plastic, shrinky-dink-like discs that taste like pencil erasers versus like, you know, you get a guy, you go to Odo, a Batali place, he's got this beautiful concave little cup of a small pepperoncini, absolutely delicious with a little, you know, grease in the center, like a swimming pool of my dreams. But um, pepperoni would be tough because you're, you're just chewing and you're working the left and right side of the molars and you really just want to be swallowing it down. And all the other ingredients in pizza, you know, dough, cheese, tomato sauce, they all have kind of the same texture uh, in terms of being able to slide down the throat. Have you ever barfed? Uh, we call it urges contrary to swallowing. We don't use the B word. In particularly volatile cases, it's known as Elvis has left the building um, or reversal of fortune. Only twice in my career, once at uh, Carmine's Meatballs in Atlantic City. I think that was due to excessive uh, partying the night before. And then in a matzo ball overtime, which wasn't a, a technical like uh, reversal, but I'd stuffed a whole matzo ball in it in the overtime, couldn't contain it. So it does happen, but you lose all your prize money. People get hit in the splash zone, which is the front row. And it's not great for the sponsor. And you've got the embarrassment of you know your fellow eaters. So uh, it has happened to the best of us, but uh, we try to contain it. You you. Put your uh, fist over your mouth, the powder keg factor. You're just trying to keep it down. And that was Justin Britt's last meal. Is it uncouth to end the episode talking about barfing? Thanks to Justin Britt for sharing his Domino's dreams. You can see him this fall on the field playing with the Seattle Seahawks. Thanks a billion to Scott Wiener of Scott's Pizza Tours. I can't emphasize enough how much I love the tour I took. If you love pizza and you love history, book a tour next time you're in New York City. Thanks another billion to Crazy Legs Conti. He responds to all his fan mail at crazylegsconti.com. And if you happen to be in the Trenton area, he has a pork roll eating contest coming up soon. Our theme music is by Prom Queen. This episode was produced by Andrew Lanier and me. Oh, and a quick housekeeping note, I am going on vacation. So we're going to skip the episode that's supposed to be here in two weeks and come back with a nice, fresh episode in a month. We have a couple really great guests coming up. Follow me on Twitter or Facebook to see who. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal. 